Yo, what's up, everybody? Mike, 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 Mike. You know what day it is? Hump day. It's hump day. It's hump day. Not just hump day. It's holy hump day. Holy hump day, Batman. You better believe it, Robin. Holy week, Batman. <laughs> I'm going to show you how to operate in a spirit. This is Happy Life Studios. This message is for you. This message is for you. This message is singular to you. It's not for anybody else. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to understand. Hey. Does the sun set high? Does the sun set high? Welcome to Happy Life Studios. Hey, are you happy? If you're not, then why? If you're not, then why? We're here to help your life be happier. What's up, Happy Lifer? I want to put out a special podcast for you today. This is also in video as well. And uh, every every day this week, I am trying to try. Well, first of all, everyone say hi to my friend Joe McCarthy from Mojo Studio. Peace out. There's a special reason I brought Joe on, and uh, it's something that we've been talking about for a while, and something I think Joe is kind of an expert on. So I got this thought the other day, and every day this week, I've been putting out a podcast from the past or from the present to fill in to celebrate Holy Week, because you know Christmas without Easter, it just doesn't. It, it falls flat, right? I mean, Jesus' life is enough for us to learn from, for us to, right? But it was his death and his resurrection that, you know, he died to give us a happy life. So Christmas and Easter go hand in hand, like we go together, like la 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 ding da ding dong right? <laughs> so they, they go together. And what I'm saying is, is like we celebrate Christmas by shopping, right? Parties, all that fun stuff. When it comes to Easter, we give it one day. Or the week before Easter is the week of Lent where we give up things. So everyone's walking around somber. Everyone's walking around and, you know, and we're we're down because there's a lot of difficult things that happen at Easter. And, and we're going to talk about that today. But I woke up yesterday. I got up early and I just I started reading out of my phone and just looking up all this stuff. And I came across an individual that I want to talk about today, which goes right along. And I thought of Joe and I called you up immediately, Joe, and said, hey, Joe, Maybe we should do a podcast together on this because this is something that you're you'd right up your alley. And I had a bunch of podcasts from the past that I was going to post. And normally it takes me a few days to get a podcast up and ready. But I thought, let's try this thing and see if we can get it out today. So if you're not listening to this on Hump Day, we're actually recording it on Hump Day. And we're going to try to get it out by the end of Hump Day. It's Hump Day. But it's not just Hump Day. Holy Hump Day. It's Holy Hump Day. Holy Hump Day, Batman. You better believe it, Robin. Back to the back cave. <laughs> Batman! Sorry. Uh, Squirrels! Yeah. Squirrels! Squirrels. If we get anywhere with this, it'll be amazing. I think Joe has as much ADD-ness as I have. <laughs> Quite over there. What are you talking about? So, so you know, there's all sorts of podcasters out there without the ADD and without the dyslexia and without all that stuff. Boring. Yeah. Boring. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I asked God that one time. I was like, God, why would you create a person like me with my brain goes everywhere and have me be a, a, a public communicator? Why would you do that? Right? Because normal people have their speakers for years. It's time for the freak and the geek to rise up. So <laughs> Rock on. There's probably people out there right now going, oh, yeah, I get it. Like, you know, and there's other people going, what right. in the world? Can I handle any more of this? <laughs> yeah. Calm down. <laughs> step away from the mic. <laughs> down, boy. Down. Sit. Stay. Easy, 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 easy. <laughs> so, Joe, explain, you know, in your opinion, what is, what's the purpose of Hump Day? 
uh, well, in the big sense of the thing, big sense of hump day, it's a chance for uh, a commercial ad agency to put together a hilarious commercial with a camel walking through the offices. Mike, 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 say it with me, hump day. (laughs) But, uh, you know, for the most of the world, especially the working world, the ones that are doing jobs in corporations and organizations where they punch the clock, Wednesday, hump day, that's a chance for them to finally get over the hump and head towards the weekend, right? This yeah. is the downward slope down to, to the fun. Right. And and it's always been there, but just realizing it, wait a minute, it's hump day. I'm halfway through the week. After I get through today, the weekend is right there. So it's an, it's meant to be an encouraging thing. It's meant to be, hey, hump day is, we're there. We're halfway through. And it's it's momentum. It's a perspective. It's an encouragement to get us to keep working because we're almost to the weekend, right? Yeah, so we're, we're closer to the fun than we are to the work, right? We've passed exactly. Hump day! But holy hump day is completely different. Holy hump day. Holy hump day, Batman. And hump day obviously wasn't around back then, but if it was, I don't think Jesus was looking forward to this next weekend. No, sir. You know, not at all. And uh, it was a, it was a tough week. One reason why we don't celebrate Easter is because it's kind of it's it's tough stuff that 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 God went through, and for us, right? But truth is, He rose again, and we call it Good Friday when He was tortured and murdered on Friday. But it's Good Friday because we know that Sunday He rose again. He kicked hell's butt literally, went to hell, and came out victorious. And so we should be celebrating, not just be somber as well. We should also be celebrating. But when it comes to Jesus's hump day, not good. Because from there on, I mean, the very next day, what did you call it? Monday? Monday. M-A-U-N-D-Y. Monday, Thursday. I've never heard of that until this year. Yeah, that's in the the more traditional churches. uh, They celebrate Monday, Thursday, because it marks the night that Jesus had his last supper. And then after the supper, where did he go? Yeah, so he goes out to the garden, right? Yeah. And he's not singing the Al Jarreau song out there. Yeah. Does anyone want to go waltzing in the garden? We got to change it, though. Does anyone want to go praying in the garden? Does anyone want to go hang out with me, too? You can imagine as the disciples are coming from the table out to the garden, this is the song that they're playing. Does anyone want to go out? Because, you know, he was singing, does anyone want to go weeping in the garden? And they're singing, does anyone want to go waltzing in the garden? Right? Yeah, they missed it, right? They missed it. Because to them, they they were clueless. God was trying to, Jesus was trying to tell them what was up at the Last Supper. He was trying to tell them, this is it for us. And I need you to be prepared because I'm going on. And Peter's like, no, that's not true. And Jesus is like, stop it. He said, Satan, get behind me. Not that Peter was Satan, but the devil was trying to use Peter to to discourage him because Jesus knew what he had to do and he knew what was ahead of him. So hump day was not good for him. So that was one reason I brought you on because I never heard of Maundy Thursday before. And you have some thoughts because you did a discussion on your page about that, right? What page is it and what was and, and wrap up the discussion for us? Yeah, it, as, it, as it actually is in production. We haven't posted this yet, but a good friend of mine, John Comfort, who I've known for a long time, really thoughtful, articulate guy. It's his proposition, and I, I tend to believe it now that I've heard him articulate it, that Maundy Thursday may be more important in in the scheme of everything than even Easter. And of course, wow. that's a huge claim, right? <laughs> because we all know yeah. that without Easter, we all have no hope. You know, Friday is, is the day, it's called Good Friday. It's not good for Jesus. It's good for us right. because for someone us. sacrificed exactly. himself for us. But Easter is a celebration because it's hope, it's resurrection, it's life. But John Comfort, he, he challenged me and he says, when Jesus goes in the garden and he's struggling with what he knows is coming, 
and he's praying and he's praying with such intensity that there's blood coming out of his sweat pores because he was fully aware of what was happening, that he's going to be tortured, crucified, and worst of all, separated from his dad for the first time ever. He actually said that his sorrow was so great, he felt it was going to crush him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody that is so stressed out in prayer that the blood's coming out of their pores. I mean, that, that says right, something right. intense, right? But but the crux of John's um, suggestion, John's argument, is that when Jesus says to his dad, I don't want to do this. This is, I know how awful this is going to be. If there's any other way, right, please, if there's any other way. And here's the, here's the, the most important words ever spoken by anybody in the history of time. Not as I want, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. And Jesus says, yeah. I, I don't want to do this. This is going to suck, but yeah. I will do it because this is what you want me to do. Yeah. And we're like, yeah. if, if Jesus had not said that and, and believed it and done it, Easter never would have happened. There would be no yeah. Easter. That's that's where the victory came. It happened yeah. Thursday. It didn't happen on Friday or it happened Thursday. That's when he sealed the deal and he begged God to take this away from him. Even the son of God begged God, take this away from me. Right. Take this. We all do. When we're going through hard dad, times, please. please dad, no. Yeah, don't do this. Take it away from me, and then when he finally decided, okay, and the and one one uh, one of the books in the Gospels, the first four books of the, of the New Testament that talks about Jesus's life, um, actually says that an angel came and ministered to him, you know, because he went there. And here's what's interesting about that is that the Garden of Gethsemane was a plantation for olive trees, and olive trees, when when someone offers you an olive branch, what does that mean? Peace. Peace out, right? Peace. It means we're coming in peace, right? right? So the olive tree was representing of peace. And so Jesus went to the garden of peace. And he went to the garden anyway, because I think he's like, his heart, like he said, was so heavy that it almost crushed him. So he needed to go get some peace from somewhere, which is interesting because Judas shows up. And when Judas betrays him, and let's remember, Jesus was Judas's friend. He had 12 guys that he hung out with 24-7. Right, Jesus. Jesus handpicked Judas. Don't forget that Jesus handpicked Judas. Judas hand didn't pick Jesus, right? And he would have forgiven Judas if Judas would have turned. He would have forgiven him. He already had forgiven him, right? When yes. he was on the cross, said, "Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do." Every sin that we've ever committed or ever will commit, it's already forgiven. All we have to do is receive it. That's it. I mean, say that again. we don't have to do anything. You got to say it. that again, man. You got to say that again. That's amazing. Every sin when Jesus was on the cross, the Bible says, "He who knew no sin is talking about Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin." Well, what sin did he become? He became my sin. He became your sin. The, the sin of a child abuser was on him. The sin of a sex trafficker was on him. The sin of a murderer was on him. And here's a guy that never felt what that felt like because right. he, he knew no sin. So he didn't know what sin in the body would even feel like. Whenever we do something bad, we feel the shame. We feel the despair, right? That's what was so heavy about Jesus on the cross, not just the nails in the in the in the hands and the feet and the and the torture of it all but the the emotional torture and trauma that sin that came on him and while that sin was on him he looked to the people out there that were crucifying him and he said father god they don't know what they're doing forgive them and did did, did god do that of course the father Absolutely. the father forgave us at that moment he forgave every sin that we'll ever commit all i have to do is ask god god I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's all I have to do. The forgiveness is already there. I don't have, if I earn forgiveness, it's not forgiveness, right? If I earn mercy, it's not mercy. I just need to receive mercy and ask for forgiveness because we blow it. 
But God yeah. knows that, and he already paid a price for it. So he might as well, if someone already bought the item for us, why would we buy it again, right? So when Jesus paid a price for my sin, why do I need to pay another price for my sin? All I have to do is say, thank you, Jesus, for paying for that. I'll take, I'll take that freedom, you know? Yeah. Not only do we not have to pay for our own sins, we couldn't anyway. We, none of us could right. ever afford that, right? So I picture in my mind, there's a movie that came out probably back in the 80s called The Mission. And Robert De Niro stars in it. If you've never seen The Mission, people out there, most of you who are too young to even know that it exists, I highly recommend that you, you rent it on Netflix or okay. Amazon Prime or whatever. But primarily, I, I, in my mind, there's a scene where Robert De Niro, who had been hunting down these um, natives in Brazil or somewhere in South America, uh, you know, that was his job. That was He was a soldier. Um, suddenly, it, throughout the movie, he has this massive change in his heart and realizes that these are humans. These are real people. And, and he's, he's carrying that sorrow that Steve was talking about in his heart. Like, oh, my gosh, all, this, all my life I've been doing the wrong thing. And he's overwhelmed by it. So then it cuts to this scene which is forever seared in my mind. But Robert De Niro's got this huge pack of supplies strapped to his back, and he's climbing the cliff at this beautiful waterfall, I think Iguazu Falls, with everything that he's got. And when he finally gets to the very top, he's completely out of strength, and he falls face down with the pack next to him at the feet of the chief of the tribe, the tribe of that Robert De Niro's character had been slaughtering throughout the movie. And here's the chief standing over him with a machete in his hand. And Robert De Niro has no way to defend himself. And you see the chief take up his sword. And when he strikes down, you're assuming that he's probably going to kill Robert De Niro. And instead, he cuts the pack free. The pack goes falling over the cliff and sails down. And Robert De Niro breaks down in tears. It is absolutely stunning cinematography, storytelling. And it is the story of what Jesus did yes. for us when he cut the pack free, right? That's a great picture. That's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. That's why he had to come to earth to carry all that weight for us so that we could be free from it. But we have to receive it. That's all we have to do. Jesus, help me. God, help me. I want to I want, I want. want to do what you want me to do. I want to follow your ways. I want to, here, here's my sin. Please forgive me. I mean, you know. So Thursday night, Maundy Thursday, as you say, it's the last supper. And Jesus said, you know, one of you is going to betray me. And what does Judas say when he betrays him? He kisses him and says, peace be with you. And so it starts off with one of his closest friends betraying him with a kiss. Then all night long, he is falsely accused by those who are supposed to be representing him by the religious leaders of the day. Interesting enough, it was the false accusers. That was a crime that could be punishable by death. Those are the ones that should be dying, right? Just like us, we're the ones that should be paying for our sin, right? But Jesus already did that. Then all Thursday night and and into Friday, he was spit on, he was beat, he was mocked. So he goes from being betrayed, falsely accused, then spit on, beat, mocked. And that's just Thursday. Friday comes and a murder was picked over him. He got picked over. You know, Joe and I, you have talked about being on the playground for kickball, right? And we're always the last one picked. We never got picked. I, I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but if you've experienced that before, you know what that's like. And that's just for a game of kickball. But all of a sudden, Pilate is trying to let get Jesus off the hook because he knows that Jesus is innocent. And he brings Barabbas, which was this man that was a murderer that everyone knew he was just kind of a bad dude, right? And said, which one do you want? And they picked the bad dude. Like Jeffrey Jesus. Dahmer. They picked the mass murderer, Jeffrey Dahmer, over Jesus. Yeah, right? 
I mean, let that set in. Then they stripped him. And after they stripped him, his closest friends abandoned him in his biggest need, in his deepest pain, in his largest fear. And then to top the whole thing off, when he's put on that cross, and that's just all the emotional trauma, right? We won't go into all the details of the crucifixion, but it was brutal, man. Gruesome. It was was gruesome. It was meant for the baddest Mm -hmm. of the bad. They always put the crime on the top of the cross to say he was a murderer, he he was whatever, right? Well, on the top of Jesus' cross, to end this whole thing off, after he was uh, betrayed, falsely accused, spit on, beat, mocked, uh, picked over, stripped, abandoned. We can all relate to those things, right? Not to that level, but we can all relate to it. We know what abandonment is, right? We know what it means to be stripped of our pride, stripped of our right, whatever, right? Then on the top of his cross, they put the sign of what his crime was, and it said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. <gasps> King of the Jews, how terrible. Oh, no, we should kill him. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because because the religious leaders of the day were jealous of him, and right. they wanted him gone. And even at one point, he cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? So even felt forsaken, God is his father is what got him through all of his messes. And when he was growing up for 33 years, his father is what got him through that, God the Father. And now on the cross, he feels like, even though it wasn't true, he felt like his father forsook him. And a lot of us know what it means to be forsaken by our own fathers. So everything that we experience, he knows what that feels like. And and he ended up becoming that sin, right? That's what I call a bad hump day. The worst. Yeah. So here's why, what I brought you on for. Here's why I want to dig into your brain a little bit, Joe. There was only one thing there that I can find that was super encouraging to him. Only one thing that spoke courage to him with all that stuff or one of the main things. And it was three people three women that were there when he was on the cross. Like I said, all of his friends, all of his disciples, they left, they ran, they were afraid, they're scared. And rightly so, I get it. I understand that. I probably would have been one of those. But there were three women that were there at the crucifixion that never left him, right? We should have been doing this on on Women's History Month because this would have fit in perfectly. These women, when he looked at them, he had to realize no one else left me. Like there was a time when he had thousands of people leave him at one of his speeches because of something he said. And then he looked, turned to his disciples and said, what, are you going to leave me too? You know, so he had that humanity in him, right? All of his friends, he's going through all this, but he's going through all of it alone, except he looks down at these three women. And I want to talk about Mary Magdalene for a second. But here's the deal. Two of the moms were moms of the disciples, from what I understand. The mom of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and the mom of, mother of James, Okay. So you understand why they're there. <laughs> right. um, that's my son, or you helped my son. So they were followers. They even supported him financially. That's how Jesus went from, because people said, I believe in what you do so much. I want to help, right? So Mary Magdalene, you know, there's a rumor out there that said that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. She was not a prostitute. There's nothing in the Bible that suggests that. That happened from some bishop, some that may suggested that like 500, 600 AD or something like that. I won't get into all the details of that, but she wasn't a, a prostitute. She was a Mary Magdalene. It just means that she was from Magdala is what probably what that means, right? The reason she was there is because Jesus had delivered her from seven afflicting evil spirits, uh, diseases, wow. spirits, um, seven of them she was set mm-hmm. free from. Just the fact that Mary Magdalene had been delivered from seven demons, evil spirits, whatever you, how you define that, reminds me so much of the verse that says, he who has been forgiven much loves much. So this gets to the motivation why Mary was even there. Why would Mary risk? Why would Mary Jesus 
uh, support Jesus all along and then in the darkest times and in, in the most risky times and the most dangerous times still be right there with Jesus because she'd been forgiven much. And so yeah. she loved much and that just yeah. trumped it all right there. Yeah. And here is the point that I really want to get your opinion on. So I, I'm setting this whole thing up for this right here. Mary, even her name was just common. We know nothing about Mary's life. At all appearances, Mary just seems like a regular, normal person. But she was there for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of -hmm. Jesus. The Catholic Church calls her the apostle to the apostles. Okay, stop right there. Stop right there. The Catholic Church, who we all know is built on authority of white men over history, and we're not going to get into that. That's a whole other story. But just the stark contrast that they are calling Mary Magdalene, who has really no pedigree, and she's a female, the apostle to the apostles. For the Catholic Church to say that, that's that's unbelievable. Right. That's mind-blowing. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Right. That's the highest right. compliment they could give her, right? Yeah. And God gave her the, the, the same thing. Because did you realize that other than Jesus' family, she was mentioned more in the Gospels than most of the other apostles? And then she was mentioned more than any of the women in the Gospels, and we know nothing about her. We know nothing about her. She was just regular, ordinary human being. And I brought you on because you brought up something to me a couple weeks ago that says we want to invite the invisible. We want to amplify their voice. We want to celebrate the underdog. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, just from my own experience, my own observation, even in the conversations that you and I have had since we reconnected, Um, I'm finding a really common thread among many of my peers, and I think it's probably broader than that as well, where for lots of reasons, some of which are internal, some of which are mindset, some of which are external, it's easy to feel like we're overlooked, uh, that our opinion doesn't matter, that we don't really have anything to bring of value uh, because people either don't ask us or because when we share it, they don't hear us, right? And so when you have that same experience over time, it's very easy to just assume, well, either I've overestimated myself um, or I'm never really going to have a platform to share what I think is an important message, to share my story, to have my voice be heard. But I think that's exactly contrary to the Bible, to, to Steve's point even right here, that Jesus picked the most unlikely people, the I mean, the, the disciples themselves never fit any mold for, a, you know, building a great team to have a leadership model to, you know, growth exponentially. And In fact, uh, it know, was their dream that they would be picked by the religious leaders always picked young men to be there and boys to become their disciples. Right. They were never picked. No. They got passed over. Right. And so they were doing the, the least esteemed jobs of the time. They're fishermen. They stink. They're on their own. They're kind of outcasts. They're on the outside of on the very raw, society. Very raw. Yeah. They don't fit. Or a tax collector. You know, Jesus befriends the tax collector who not only Nobody was a mis- yeah, not only was a misfit, but he was reviled because tax collectors. Were- most of them, most of them back in the day were they were dirty man. They were, were they were cheats. They were crooks. Yeah, they were extortionists, and and everybody knew that. So who does Jesus pick? 
to be his best friends, his inner circle, the people who who are going to be turned around and change the world for eternity. In fact, the people who are the reason why Steve and I even have this conversation right now, they were the they were the outcasts, the as I could say, the underdogs, but underdogs with the small you, because they were everything was stacked against them. They were they're the bottom of the heap, and and I'm sure they didn't have you know high levels of self esteem and thinking, oh, I'm just waiting for my chance to to shine. I'm sure they just believed like my life sucks and that's okay. And I, I, was, I come from a family of lives who suck and my children's lives are going to suck and so be it, right? They've just resigned themselves to that, feeling the underdog. And yet Jesus sees in these people and in me and in you, underdog, yeah, but now with a big you, like underdog, the superhero, looks like a puppy, doesn't have all the muscles, doesn't fit in the DC Marvel Comics universe. Yeah, he's you know, a superhero to, like none other. Yeah. yeah, don't have the cool look, just, just a regular puppy small yet, little not even regular just small not just tiny, puppy, but yeah. smaller than everything else right yeah. wearing glasses kind of has a geeky voice all the you know the the anti-hero right and yet what does underdog do he does the right thing at the right time for the right reason and he's a superhero and not not the yeah. typical superhero and i think well i i personally I just talk about myself i can relate to that way more than superman and aquaman and uh captain america who i right who I, you know, those are my heroes, my comic book heroes growing up. But I, I really think that Jesus was far more concerned about taking an underdog with a small U and giving him a capital U and say, you are a superhero. I'm going to give you the power to do the things. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the power to do not only what I have done, which is miraculous, but even greater things. This this part continues to blow, blow my mind every day. And Jesus says, if you follow me and you believe what I say and the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, is living in lives me, in you, lives right? in me, right? Which, I, again, mind-blowing. That And Jesus himself, who can never lie, says, you can do greater things, and you will do greater things than even I have done. I'm like, what? Who how? Me? How? Yeah, how do you do greater me? things what you just did? Right, right. right. But, but, but now yeah, we have the internet, man. Yeah. We can literally <laughs> reach the world through this one thing we're doing right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think, too, we misunderstand when Jesus says greater things, we misunderstand what does, what does the word great means? Because we think great means, you know, point. stunning, you know, changing the cosmos with the uh, wave, wave of We're the all hand. about bigger and better and, yeah, yeah. you know. Bigger, better, yeah. faster, more, right? But what does Jesus really say? He says, if you give a cup of cold water to somebody who's thirsty in my name, then that is that is an act of kindness that will change their life and will change the world because that's where it all starts. He says, and, whatever you do to the least of these you've done unto me. Absolutely. Right. And, and in fact, at the judgment, if you believe in this, you stand before Jesus and he starts asking, you know, about your life or reviewing it. He doesn't have to ask you because he knows what's he say. You know, did you, did you feed the hungry? Did you give water to the thirsty? Did you go visit the people in prison? Did you, did you take the power in you and go find the underdogs and bring kindness to them? Did you, I mean, not, not did you fix the bridge when it was collapsing and the people on the bus were falling and with your super webs, you kept them from falling in the water. Right. That's beautiful, but that's metaphorical. That can happen one little cup of cold water at a time. So I think we're all, we're all underdogs. Jesus makes us underdogs with the big U. And now, now he's asking us to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. And that's going to transform the world. And I love that. The underdog with small U that's where you feel like you don't matter. You're just an underdog. The underdog with the capital U is you still realize you're just a puppy, right? But you realize that puppies can change their world. You realize that, hey, I'm a puppy, but that's my purpose. 
I'm a, my purpose is to be a puppy, right? And so, and that's exactly what what I think God does to Mary Magdalene. Yeah. She was a puppy. She was an underdog with a small U, yet she was one of his only encouraging moments during that whole crucifixion, during that whole thing, because she was there. And here's a person who we know nothing about her life. Nothing is really said about her life. There's nothing about her life that stands out that we can tell. And yet she is mentioned more than any other woman in the Gospels, in the story about Jesus' life in the Bible. She's mentioned more than any other woman. She's mentioned more than many of the, the male apostles, honestly, which back in that culture, that too was a huge thing. And I just think, to me, that's that's what I wanted to bring out today is that, you know, God sees us, we see ourselves as small you, he sees us as big you, and when we make that flip and realize I don't have to be Captain America. I can just be a puppy. I can just be there and support. And I don't know, that is such a, be- I've never seen it from Mary Magdalene's perspective before, but I just think that's a very warm, encouraging perspective to me. Yeah. In fact, two, two thoughts come to mind, maybe more <laughs> once I get going, but um, it, I think it's, uh, there's a danger to think that we're either the underdog with the small U or we're the underdog with the big U. The truth is we're both. When Jesus sees us, when God sees us, it's not like he doesn't see the fact that we failed, that we've sinned, that we've got weaknesses and limitations. It's that he sees we can go from there to the underdog with the big U. So it's the transformation that Jesus is concerned with, the, the reconciliation. It's not like, oh, you're not seeing yourself properly. You are seeing yourself properly and you're stuck. And you're, and you know, I love the, the image in my mind is underdog gets in the phone booth, you know, to change into his uniform, but then he can't get out. So his cape's stuck in the door, right? And he's like, what am I going to do now? And Jesus is like, yes, that, that's right. And, and on your own, that's about the way it's going to go. But yeah. I'm with you. And I'm going to reach down and I'm going to open up the door and set you free so you can go yeah. do the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. So, yes, we yeah. are underdogs with a small you. Sin alone does that to us, as you have already said so well. But with the power of God and the transformation and the forgiveness, going back to Mary Magdalene, who, who we know nothing about other than she was set free from seven demons. None of us can relate to that, but we can relate to if I'm forgiven – of whatever it is that I've done, whatever is torturing me, whatever is holding me back, then like Mary Magdalene, I'm going to love the person that did that. And all she did, she just followed. She just followed Jesus, period. She just loved him. She was always there. Stuck with him, right? Exactly. And I think maybe even that's uh, that's an important picture contrast between Mary and Peter, right? Because Peter, full of zeal and commitment through emotion – um, he was, and, and he was handpicked from to be becoming a fisherman to being a fisher of men, and that that was a big pivot for him. But even that wasn't as powerful. So you know, he fell away when things got tough in the beginning, and then he got his got his you know spiritual huevos back. Um, but um, Mary had been forgiven so much from the very beginning that it didn't matter. It didn't matter what anybody else thought. It didn't matter what sort of threats were around. She wasn't. She wasn't afraid because she knew she knew this is this is it. This is the answer. There is no other there's no other place to go. Where else am I gonna go? She's you know, yeah. I can hear her saying yeah. in her her Jewish New York accent, where else am I gonna go? Right? <laughs> where am I gonna go? <laughs> it's funny too that you mentioned that too, because I read one person uh yesterday when I was doing all my research and, and reading, and I came across one person that actually compared her. She was like the female Peter. 
hmm. right? As far as the influence that she had. But on the other hand, they were opposite because Peter was always out there. He was always, you know, and Mary was just, she was just Mary. And I think that's God made us to just be us, to just yeah. be who we are and to follow him because he's done so much for us. He's forgiven us of all these things. Just be thankful for that. And what I don't think she really just, she, she wasn't trying to change his world. She wasn't trying to change anybody's world. She just followed him because she loved him. She just was herself yes. next to Jesus. Yeah. And that's why she was mentioned more than any other woman other than Jesus's family. And I love the, the point. I love the point, Steve, that Jesus picked Peter and Mary Magdalene, because I think cool. the danger is for us to say, well, I can identify it's with Mary, but I can't yeah. identify with Peter and God picked Peter. So he can't pick me or yeah. I'm, I'm the Peter kind, which you and I could relate to, right. right? We're all over the map and we're out there all the time yeah. and stumbling and falling. But I don't really relate to the Mary Magdalene type and Jesus loved her. Yeah. So he must not love me. No, no, no. That's all wrong. Jesus loves both of them. He chose both of them, the opposite ends of the spectrum. So, you know, underdog with a small, you can be all of us and underdog with a yeah. big, you can be all of us. And speaking of puppies, everybody knows that. How do you, how do they bring hope and healing and happiness to people who, to kids who are in the hospital with cancer right. or fighting life threatening yeah. diseases? Like no one who, else, like no other adult can do. Right. They bring puppies yeah. into the, yeah. into the hospital yeah. and a, lightens up their life and brightens their face and makes their day, gives them hope yeah. and, and medically even gives them a boost in their immune system yeah. to help them fight whatever yeah. they're fighting. So don't underestimate the power of puppies, right? <laughs> and, and you think about this too, is that we are weak. We are frail. We make mistakes. We blow it a lot. Yet God made us that way. Right. And that, that seems mean unless you think about a parent and their child, right? And for my boys, the fact that they needed me, the fact that they couldn't do something, they came to me and said, dad, can you help? Nothing, nothing touched my heart more than dad, can you help? Dad, dad, help. <laughs> and that's what God really wants to be. He wants to be the one that help us. He made us weak because there's something about when we're weak and we ask God to help and, and God is able, that's the whole synergy that he wants. He's like, he's God. Let him be God. Don't yeah. try to be him yourself. Just be like Mary Magdalene, be there, follow him. And, um, and it, in his mind, he thought Mary Magdalene, even though she was invisible to others, he invited her to the table. He celebrated her underdogness. Let me take your thought, which is beautiful. Let me take your thought even one step further. So you made a great point that it is in our weakness that God's strength is made perfect. That's a biblical principle. It's in our weakness that we need God, right? So that we're not just reliant on ourselves and, and write God out of the picture. Let's take it to a whole nother level or, or maybe down a level. I'm not sure up or down. It doesn't really matter. But my whole life, and I don't know if you can relate to this, Steve-O, I thought for people to love me, I had to have it all together. I had to be perfect. I had to please them. I had to impress them, right? And just... Two weeks ago, maybe, a guy calls me up out of the blue who I haven't talked to for the longest time. We're having this great conversation. We're catching up just like you and I have. And he says, you know, John, I'm on this journey. And this mentor of mine, he says to me these words. He says, it's floored me because I never thought of it this way. He said, if you really think about it, humans connect. Well, humans want more than anything. They want to love and be loved. That's really what we all really want. We want to love and be loved. and But we think we have to be perfect to be loved. So he says, in reality, humans connect at their points of weakness. People can't love you if you're perfect. One, they can't relate to you, but two, they have nothing to hold right. on to. It's in your right. weakness, in your need, is even where another human being can love you. 
So if your ultimate goal is really to love and be loved, those connections are at the point of weakness on the human level, as well as they are, of course, with God as well. And it's, it's a beautiful picture. And it, it just flipped my grid that I not only do I not have to be perfect, but by being perfect, I will isolate myself from people and from God. So it is in my imperfection, in my underdoggedness, in my stuck in the phone yeah. booth because my cape got caught on the receiver that someone has to open the door. That's the connection. It's in my weakness yeah. that God's strength is made perfect. And the people that I love the most or I have the closest friendship with are those that saw my weakness and still loved me. Right. And when I, you know, when I'm dating my wife, when she, before she was my wife, I'm dating her. I'm trying to put out my best self, you know, but then when she sees ugly, the ugly part of me that we try to hide, you know, all of a sudden we get married and she still sticks around and she still loves me. That does more for me than her ever liking my strength. Right. But when she loves me, despite my weakness, that's pretty cool. So yeah. happy lifer. We just want to put out a special hump day, holy hump day podcast for you. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it? Holy hump day. Holy hump day. And you will be happy too. It's holy hump day. So be happy. Be happy. Be happy. Just be who you are. You're an underdog. Right on. Woo. Thanks, Joe. Absolutely. Remember, life isn't perfect, but it can be happy. Steve Ace.